Welcome to Alternative Dog Moms Podcast. I'm Kimberly Gautier, the creator of Keep the Tail Wagging. For the past nine years, I've been blogging about raw feeding, pet wellness, and life as a crazy dog mom. I've seen massive improvements in my dog's health since I started raising my dogs naturally, and I'm passionate about sharing my experience to help other pet parents. I'm Erin Scott. For the past nine years, I've been researching and learning everything I can about healing cancer, allergies, autoimmune, and mystery illnesses in both my dogs and myself, and I can't wait to share with you everything I've learned on this journey. As the Alternative Dog Moms, we're bringing you all the latest dog health news that we're following and sharing the tips, tricks, and resources we learn along the way. Now, let's get started. Are we recording? <laughs> Hi, Erin. Hello, Kimberly. Hello, hello. So we're talking about Apoquil. And I'm actually really excited to talk about it because this is the time of the year. It's allergy season. I mean, it's for me. It's for my dogs. I only have one dog that has really severe allergies. And you have pit bulls. So mm-hmm. do your dogs have allergies? Penny does she doesn't have spring allergies. It mm. actually always seems to, to flare up in the winter, oddly enough. Oh, yeah. We have struggled with allergies off and on, but not seasonally, I don't think. Yeah. I'm um, Rodrigo is the one that has. He has both, um, you know, well, he has environmental allergies. So he it flares up in the spring with the grass growing and then the rain because wet grass really um, irritates his paws. And then again in the fall, same thing because – the sun has is not as hot anymore. The grass is starting to grow back again, and we're getting more rain. And so that's when I, I usually see it as those two times of year. So, I mean, because I always thought pit bulls, that was one of, the, one of the reasons, one of the only reasons why we don't have one is because um, I would hear these horror stories of just like, I'm trying everything. My dog yeah. is so sick. And then people would just say, well, it's a pit bull. And I, for a while, I was like, I wasn't aware that that was a thing. But um, yeah, it's just something that I've always been concerned about is, you know, just having to deal with these really severe allergies. I have definitely seen it in pit bulls. It is extremely common. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've definitely seen that. We were so fortunate with with our two old girls. Neither of them ever had any kind of allergies. And I was like, man, we really dodged a bullet with that one. <laughs> because I would see it in all my friends and, and, you know, everybody who's adopting. And yeah, it's extremely common in, yeah. in pit bulls for sure. So I have a friend. She's actually my co-host of my other podcast, Girls with Dogs. Kathy. And she has groovy golden doodles. She has golden doodles. Her blog is called Groovy Golden Doodles. But I've always just said, like, groovy golden doodles is a breed in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but one of her dogs um, does have allergies. And she does give him Apoquil. And she takes a lot of crap for it on social media. And I shouldn't say a lot, but she doesn't often talk about it simply because she has to deal with everyone telling her how horrible it is and how you shouldn't do that with your dog. And and it's one of those where I don't disagree, but I think that there are cases when dogs have such severe allergies. And if it is environmental, um, and as it is with her dog, the only real solution is to move. Because she's done everything to, she's improved his diet, she's worked on his gut health and his immune system, she's done everything to try to help his system beat the allergies, except for move to a different state. And so her dog does take take Apoquil. She actually pays attention to like 
the parasite seasons mm-hmm. and and the weather and and all the seasons and what's growing to keep on top of all of her dog's medications because she's also in a heartworm state. Right. So that's something that she has to deal with as well. And so she doesn't give her dog Apoquil all day, every day, year round. It's just during the season when he's most affected. But I'm curious how many veterinarians similar to steroids and antibiotics are prescribing these things at the first hint of an allergy rather yeah. than working through all the steps to try and, and figure this out before, okay, so we tried everything, now let's go to this. Right, right. Yeah, I think that is a thing that it's so overprescribed and that people don't get all the information. Mm-hmm. And so the reason we're, we're talking about it, right, is because the FDA just put out this new warning about it, basically verifying what people in like the alternative holistic health community have been saying for years that that this can cause cancer in in dogs and it's in a way it's like validating to see but at the same time i also understand that there's a lot of pet parents who feel like this is their only option or it's the mm-hmm. only thing that's worked for them and they don't want to see their dogs suffer and then you know, it's almost like a risk benefit analysis, which I think we're all doing all the time with our dogs anyway. Yeah. So, so I understand. And and I guess I'm just so curious if having this additional information would change anybody's mind. Like, first of all, I don't even know that pet parents are getting this information from their veterinarian. Mm -hmm. You know, if you get like the package insert or the box, which I don't even think all vet offices give, are you even going to read it? Are you even going to look at yeah. it? Is your vet even going to read it? Is your vet going to look at it? Is your vet going to counsel you on it? And so at the end of the day, well, it's good to see because we know that it can be dangerous. Like, I just don't know if it'll make a difference in, in the long yeah. run. I, you know, and whenever I see things like that, I, and I, it sounds negative, but I think it's more realistic. I don't think it will make a difference because it really takes, it's not enough to just post these things on social media in a community where everyone's kind of on the same page. Yeah. Like a preaching to the choir kind of. Exactly. I mean, it's just sort of like, I can talk about raw feeding all day long, but if I'm not talking to the people who ultimately my message is meant for, then I'm not going to change anyone's mind. And when you take this message to the communities where you think they need to have this information, oftentimes you're met with so much pushback that it's not worth it. And I think sometimes we can come across as um, holier than thou um, and a bit aggressive in our passion when we're sharing information (laughs) with people. So if someone posts that their dog... um, because like I, I, my heart breaks for Kathy because whenever she mentions Apoquil on our podcast, it comes with a disclaimer, <laughs> like this, like she, in a in a you know exhausted tone of you know I've done my homework, my dog is you know we do blood work, we do all these things, you know, and this is the best thing that happens. Yes, I have tried everything, and it's just one of those where I think sometimes, you know we're taking our own experiences with the worst vet that we actually went to and then putting that onto everyone else, assuming that they're having the exact same experience. And to your question about, you know, are, are veterinarians giving people the warnings? I, when Scout got, um, what's it called? When he was started chemo last year, I was sent home with so many bottles of medications, probably like four bottles. I think there was two tranquilizers. Um, 
There was something for nausea. There is something for diarrhea. And I think there might have been a fifth. There was a fifth one, but I can't remember what it was for. I think it was like also for either nausea or diarrhea as well. I can't remember though. But it was so much. And I didn't need any of it. But I didn't, we didn't have a discussion about be careful about this one or, you know, but she did give me discussions when we were doing the chemo meds because there's certain medications that do have, you know, I think they probably all potentially can have side effects, but there's like one medication that can cause nausea and um, it didn't in Scout. So it's no worries. There's another one that can cause like urinary tract infections. So it's like, keep plenty of water on hand, let him, you know, whenever he has to go outside, let him go outside so we can pee this stuff out of the system. And so those are the type of discussions we had, but never, um, well, the FDA came out with a study that said, you know, that's never been, I've never had that discussion with any veterinarian, I don't think. Yeah, that's really interesting. They even, you know, tell you with people getting chemo that there's, you know, certain things that you have to be careful of too. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to hear they, they tell you with that with dogs also. Yeah. And she gives, she's so cool because she gives me like, it's about a two page document of notes on after every appointment that goes over what we discussed. You know, it doesn't go into detail about his blood work, but it just gives a blurb about, you know, the blood work was fine or, you know, liver enzymes were elevated. I think one time I forgot what it is. I think it's the protein um, is elevated, but she'll put in there, but this, you know, is scout is raw fed and, you know, and those type of things. So this is expected. And, and it's really kind of cool just reading it because um, I like being able to go back when I forget and figure out, um, you know, what do I need? Hi, Cosmo. <laughs> what do I need to do? Um, no, that's really great because a lot of times all you end up leaving the vet office with is like a copy of how much you paid. <laughs> exactly. A bag of pills and a copy of how much you paid. And it's just like, oh my God. I, I mean, and it's just, she's, she, and the thing about it is that I know that my, our regular veterinarian and our oncologist, if I have questions, they're more than happy to answer my questions. And I also wonder the fact that I don't have these discussions with them doesn't mean that they're not having them with other people. I tend to be that person who I show up to a vet appointment with a list of questions, notes. These are the sites that I was on. What do you think about this? And we're having this long, detailed conversation. So I think in their mind, they know that I'm. if I have questions, I'll ask and that I'm going home to research. And so um, they're not too worried about me. But it's sort of like when it when I was a new pet parent, I didn't research anything. I mean, my vet said this was okay. So I I figured it was okay. Yeah, that's what I think a lot of people end up finding. And then, yeah, they'll get some kind of blowback on social media and then they're just very turned off. And, yeah, you know, to. And they get defensive. And then every single time they hear Apoquil, they just shut down. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, um, I get it. I understand what you're saying. And, and it's unfortunate because my thing is, you know, when I was first writing about raw feeding and and going down this journey, I was very opinionated and thought I knew everything about everything. And um, so whenever I see people being passionate about these things, I'm reminded, you know, good Lord, I I cringe when I think about it. But um, I've learned to just ask questions and, um, and try to like formulate the questions in a way so it doesn't sound like I'm trying to, to like, well, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I'm going to act like I'm telling, you know, I'm asking <laughs> questions, but I'm really telling you what to do. So to me, it's more of a, um, 
understanding that tomorrow I can end up with a dog that has such severe allergies. Raw feeding is not a cure all. Um, you know, it could be I can get an adult dog or a senior dog that is so much damage has happened to their system that it's going to take a while if I can to to adjust and reset that. So my th- my biggest question is always with people is what else are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um because that's the other thing is over time, like Kathy with her dog, she's been able to reduce the dosage. And I've heard this from other people because they improve their dog's diet because they started focusing on gut health. Um, they started making changes around the house, like things like um, air purifiers and um, just getting the dust up and, and whatever just, the um, case may be. Like wiping them down when they come in from outside, you yeah. know, to get any like pollen kind of stuff off. I mean, like my car is already starting to get that yellow tinge to it I'm from all the so pollen. I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that. I would, <laughs> I would, I mean, cause I, at the, when we first started, I talked about, you know, cause it's allergy season for me and I've had hay fever since I was a kid. And I feel like, I mean, I'm sure that there was some type of medication <laughs> back then, but I mean, this was the seventies. And so I don't know what, was available. And um, I, you know, I'm a little kid outside picking dandelions and making a big dandelion bouquet. And by the time I get in the house to give my mom her bouquet of flowers, my eyes are swollen. <laughs> and, um, and I have a, a couple of school pictures where either my eyes were swollen shut or I just looked so, I looked like I was barely awake because I was on allergy medicine. Oh my gosh. Because when the when what I do remember about allergy medicine was that the only thing that was really available was Benadryl, and which is great for nighttime. But um, for me, at least, when I'm in the thick of allergy season, because I like I have to start taking allergy meds before the real symptoms kick in, or else I'm toast. But um, it's gotten so much better as I've gotten older. But um, it used to be so bad. But yeah, I can't take Benadryl during the day. Right. Because, you know, and, oh, it was just so miserable. I was so miserable. And to be honest, I mean, there were nights I couldn't, I couldn't sleep at night because I couldn't breathe. I, I would try so many things uh, and I, nothing worked. I, I used to hate when people would give me um, recommendations mm-hmm. because it's just sort of like, I've tried that. Because, <laughs> you know, well, have you tried this? One time it's like I was getting so angry with someone because they were giving me recommendations, but I was trying to be nice. And Johan finally just stepped in and said, she doesn't like it when people do that. Because trust me, she has tried everything. She does not need your advice. You are not her doctor. And the person was like, but, and he was like, you really need to stop it. I was just like, thank you. Because I was just like, please stop it. I know. And, and, and I get it. People are just trying to help, but it's just like so aggravating. And if with back then, I would have tried anything to just be able to breathe and because you're not sick. So to take, um, you know, like take time off. I mean, I would take maybe a day here and there, but I couldn't really be sick from work. And if I were, I would just be sick for like months. It would just be basically because I, my allergies lasted from March through like midsummer. And so it's like, there's a big block of time where I yeah, you was, can't just take off. <laughs> yeah. And so like, if there was like a human version of Apoquil and it totally worked, I wouldn't have cared about the side effects. I would have been like, you know, I'm sure I'll be fine. You know, this is only a certain amount of dogs. Maybe there's something else I can do that offset this just so I could have some relief. So I try to keep that in mind when talking to people, um, when they're giving their dogs these various drugs, because, um, 
I don't know what their situation is. Right. Right. Yeah. So I actually suffered and still kind of do with allergies, um, seasonal allergies. So here's a funny story. And I'm not saying this will work for you or for anybody else, but it's what worked with me, surprisingly, like sort of accidentally. About five years ago, I started working with a functional medicine doctor and she wanted to test me like for food allergies. And I came back. The only thing that I had an allergy to is wheat. It's not even like the gluten protein itself. It's wheat. Uh And it was like the highest like red category. Um, So she's like, you really need to go gluten free and see Mm -hmm. how you do. And I'm like, oh, my God, like I couldn't even imagine that. But I did it. So for like two years, I was like 100% like gluten free, totally cleared up all the sinus problems I've had since I was 13. And like, I hardly get any allergies anymore. Yeah. And I've heard that story so many times. It's amazing. And I know it's not for everybody, but like, I didn't even expect that. And so now I'm at the point where like, if we go out to dinner and there's like some really good looking bread, like I can have some bread and not like throw myself into like, you know, an allergy (laughs) or something. Uh, So I'm not like quite as like militant about it anymore as I once was. And then with the dogs, and again, I I don't necessarily think that Penny's allergies are specifically environmental, but I go to the, yeah, like you said, that the gut health and the Mm -hmm. microbiome with her, we did the microbiome transplants Mm -hmm. and that's what's cured like all her allergy issues. Did you do that through animal biome? So we did the test through animal biome Mm -hmm. and what, what ended up happening, uh, you know, (laughs) I think this stuff is kind of fun, right? So the first (laughs) time I ever heard about animal biome, I thought, Hey, this is fun. I'm going to go get a poop sample and like mail it across the country. (laughs) (laughs) And so I got this report back and I kind of didn't know what to do with it, but uh, this was probably like the beginning of 2019. But like they both came back like not too bad, you know, based on my like understanding of it. So then over like a year later is when Penny had these horrible like health crisis where like her feet got like so red. And I mean, she couldn't even hardly walk because her feet were swollen and itchy and she was biting at them all the time. And then it started coming up her legs and she had like draining tracks down her legs. And, and I was, I mean, it was, it was horrible. And what I ended up doing is I I wrote out kind of like a health history for her because I was getting ready to work with a new vet. And I realized she had had four courses of antibiotics in one year's time. Oh, yeah. And so I actually had, because she had had a couple UTIs and then she had this foot thing. They kept giving antibiotics for it. So I had the before animal biome test before she had these four courses of antibiotics. And then we went and did, when I started with this new vet, and a new test. And it was so shockingly bad, like her gut health, even though she's raw fed and she's yeah. getting the goat milk and the kefir and the, you know, fish stock. And we're, we're doing all the things that we thought we were supposed to do. The antibiotics had just wrecked her gut health, like horribly wow. in like one year period of time. So our vet was, was like, I want to do the fecal transplant because doing the animal biome wouldn't like move the needle enough. Mm-hmm. Um, at one time. So we ended up doing like two like fecal transplants where she uses her, my vet uses her own dog as a donor dog. Cause she like tests her biome um, like every couple months. Mm-hmm. And, 
And that's actually what ended up clearing up like all of her problems. And then we actually use animal biome capsules kind of like as a maintenance thing, kind of like twice a week or something. She'll get them. And it's pretty much, you know, worked to, you know, she had one little flare up this winter, but we had, um, it was like Christmas time and we had like cut back on like some of the extra supplements and things because it was like the holidays. <laughs> and that's when everything kind of fl- started to flare up again. And then we started it back up. She got some ozone treatments and it went back under control. Nice. So like the one time I tried to stop. like <laughs> Okay. So now yeah. I have questions. With the, ad- well, with the poop transplant, was it given in pills? No. It's really kind of gross, but I'll okay. tell you. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> so she basically like picks up her dog's poop in the yard and then kind of puts it in like a blender. And she uses like some of the ozonated saline with it to like mix it up. And she used the term a slurry. And then it's administered like kind of like an enema. It's like a poop enema. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And then... So you did that twice. How long before you started seeing improvements? Pretty quickly. Like we did it, like we noticed improvements after the first time. And then we did it. So like we did it once, we did it again, like a month later. And like, she really, you know, like anything that had been kind of lingering cleared up after the second one. And then I think like maybe six months after that, we kind of just did it as like a maintenance kind of thing. So she's only had like three total over like a two year period of time now. Okay. And then I was going to ask something else and I don't, oh, oh, you said ozone treatment. Mm -hmm. Is that something separate from the, the poop transplant? So you can use it like to, you can use the ozone with the poop or you can use the ozone by itself. So she's gotten it both ways. Okay. And the ozone she gets like every time she goes to the vet, like once a month or so Mm -hmm. she'll get it. And they kind it's kind of like, you know, when they get like the fluids injected and they kind of get that camel hump. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's really interesting because there's, I mean, there's so many really cool things happening in the, um, like the fresh food or holistic world. And with Rodrigo, switching him to raw was the biggest change. So that helped a lot, but it didn't cure any. I mean, he was still licking his paws like crazy. Um, and he still has periods of time where he's doing it again and I have to um, make adjustments. But for him, um, you know, I've tried things like local raw honey. Um, so he, he'll he start getting that, like, just as a treat, I'll drizzle it in his dish, you know, during the day. So he'll get a little bit of local raw honey I've tried. <gasps> Look at that. That is insane. Yeah. Okay. Erin's showing me her dog's paws and oh my God, that it's would just break my heart. Yeah. Yeah, he. I give him local raw honey. Um, I've tried bee pollen, but I, I, oh no, that was her foot. Yeah, that is so bad. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing that a poop transplant cleared that up. Because I would see a picture like that and be like, "You're gonna have to just go and do the apoquil because that's just terrible." And what's funny is that I should ask my vet if she offers this. I don't know if she does or not, but I'm curious to know how many veterinarians around the country do offer something like that. I know that, um, what is it? Anna, Adored Beast Apothecary mm-hmm. has a supplement um, that's kind of like, I think it's fermented poop ultimately. Oh, okay. And um, I tried that with with Rodrigo and I, you know, I thought I saw improvements, but I don't know if it's just 
you know, timing or wishful thinking, but it didn't really, you know, I like the phrase you used early, move the dial on him. But yeah, you know, local raw honey has helped definitely feeding him raw help. But the biggest is the focus on the gut health and making sure his gut is healthy. And so my dogs get, which is why, you know, I was that crazy person running around the city buying all the fermented fish stock because my dogs get fermented fish stock as their, you know, quote unquote lunch. Everyone, um, Rodrigo and Scout get a half a cup a day, not every day, but most days, um, it's usually if I don't have a thought out that no one's getting it, but they get about a half a cup a day or a little close to maybe even, oh, it doesn't matter, a third of a cup a day. And then the other dogs get about a quarter cup a day. And um, so that is magical. And that if if I keep that routine up, especially in the spring and the fall, Rodrigo is golden. And, it, and it's just ultimately it just comes down to, I think, trial and error until you find out what works for your dog. And and that's, I think, the most frustrating part because, you know, you have this veterinarian telling you, you need to go in this direction. They're the expert. They should know. And then you have, you know, your research and all of social media telling you to go in a completely different direction. And it's hard to know what's right for your dog. And um, because no one wants to harm, put their dog at risk. So I get that. Yeah, and I don't think anybody who's using things like Apical wants to harm their dog in any way. And and like you said, like I'm I was the recipient of um well intended advice that has left me with PTSD <laughs> <laughs> as in my early days of, as a dog mom. So yeah, I've always been like hypersensitive to how I communicate, you know, with people about things like that. And it's like I want people to know that there are other options out there. But like, yeah, I would never want to judge anybody for yeah. the decisions that they're making, you yeah. know, because they're, they're really just trying, you know, I don't think the owner and I don't think the vet are trying to give your dog cancer by telling them to stay on Apoquil. Yeah. Um, I do start to question big pharma, but. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And their motivations. And because it, it is, it's it's one of those things where sometimes, and I, and I know that like with I've heard, I should say, I haven't had this experience, but I've heard there are um, veterinarian clinic chains out there that basically have everybody on, you know, in a revolving door. Like you got 10 minutes, we're going to get you in, get you out. And so they are basically, okay, your dog has allergies, Apoquil. Okay, your dog has this, steroid. If your dog has, you know, is vomiting, okay, or has an ear infection, here's some antibiotics. And no one is looking at anything beyond that. And um, I have an integrative vet, so she kind of balances everything. And I've learned, because that was another thing is I'm curious to know how many people, specifically women, have a hard time speaking up at the vet. Yes. Because I always had a hard time. And I think it's, you know, I blame it for my growing up without a father. I mean, I obviously have a father, but he wasn't a big part of my life. And, um, you know, especially, you know, during my formative years. And I'm curious to know how much of that, because especially if I'm dealing with a man in authority, it's so hard sometimes for me to speak up and say something. Because when my father was in my life, I just wanted him to want to stay. And so I was a good girl with him. And so I fall back into that habit. And so, um, and I'm curious to know how many other women for, you know, a variety of reasons 
will basically become a wallflower when they're talking to their veterinarian and won't speak out. And I finally had to learn to just not so much learn how to be bold enough to speak out, but find a way to speak up that was comfortable to me. And Mm -hmm. I did it by just creating a conversation. So when Scout, he, years ago, he just, he woke, we woke up one day and Scout had a fever of 105, which is, um, that's when you take your dog to the emergency vet. And so we did, you know, I'm on the phone Googling it um, because he was acting weird. I took his temperature. It's like, oh crap, I'm Googling it. And and Google came back and said, go to the vet. And so I called the, I called around to different vet emergency clinics to find if anyone can get us in. One got us in and um, we actually, that became our emergency vet from that point on. They actually sent us over to V, is it VCA? Mm -hmm. The chain. Exactly. And this was before they were purchased by Mars. So I know that people are like, they've changed. I don't, I don't know. I haven't been, but when I went, the one that was in Linwood, Washington, they were fantastic. And we went over everything and they sat down. And I guess the original clinic let them know, or maybe in the paperwork, I'm a raw feeder and all of that. So they they just seemed to be prepared for my questions. And so I was just like, okay, I'm happy to do whatever it is that's going to save my dog. However, um, I am worried about antibiotics because Rodrigo, similar to your dog, had been on multiple rounds of antibiotics. And I blame that um, for his subsequent gut health for the rest of his life. And um, and I wish I, you know, maybe I should look into doing a poop transplant. That would be crazy if after all this time it helped Rodrigo. It's, it's really amazing. I mean, it's like, good Lord. It's, I would want to do it for all the dogs. But anyway, so I just asked them, it's like, okay, so if we're going to go on antibiotics, I know what it does to the gut bacteria. I would like to give him a supplement to make sure that it's still there but I don't want the antibiotics to kill kill that yeah. too. So what yeah. do I do? And they we actually had a really great conversation about timing and basically the antibiotics in the morning, gut bacteria 12 hours or gut bacteria, um, digestive supplements 12 hours later. And I did this every day while he was on the antibiotics and then continued for two more weeks after the antibiotics just to make sure. And he bounced back and he was fine. But it was just one of those where you know, I had to figure out how to, how to speak up and ask those questions. Yeah. That's definitely been something that's been like a learning lesson for me, especially over the last 10 years with the dogs and with myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I had both my mom and my dad, but they're both, especially my mom, people pleasers. And so I was just kind of raised to be like a people pleaser. And, Mm -hmm. and also I think there's something generational with, like not questioning authority and not, you know, mm-hmm. that's what the doctor said. They're the doctor. You're not the doctor. You do what the doctor says. And, yeah. and, and so again, I, I feel like I was kind of raised that way. And so there was a period, you know, a time where it's like, I don't know about this. And and sometimes <laughs> me speaking up for myself in, especially in the earlier days was just, I just say, okay, yes, sir. And then I'm just going to go do whatever I'm going to do, or yeah. I'm just going to find a new vet or a new doctor and just not, go back yeah. to you anymore. And sometimes that's what I've had to do. But yeah, and then but with but with the dogs, with my stuff, like I've really had to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and and saying, you know, I'm I'm going to do this or or some you know, or sometimes it is just I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, but yeah, I think we should 
if your vet doesn't allow for questions or or shuts you down or doesn't validate that you have a concern, I think that is time to look for a new vet or a new human doctor if that's yeah, your human. It doctor. is true. I mean, because I had one of those vets, and what's interesting is, and he, I mean, he was very old school. He would have the conversations with Johan, mm. but never with me. And if mm. Johan and I went to the vet together, he addressed Johan. Oh, that would drive me crazy. Even if he was answering my questions, he would address Johan. And so it was, and what's funny is that, you know, he was a nice man, but he was just, he was just from a different time. Yeah. And so he was very hard to speak to. And I, I, I think it's funny. I, I actually curious to know if, I mean, I would never bother him because I don't think he would remember me or care. But I've always been tempted to, because he's the one that predicted that Rodrigo would die um, shortly after he turned three. Oh. He, he was kind of just matter of fact about it. Like, yeah, it's just like, you know, you, you got a dud here with a dog. <laughs> and, and, it was, and he was just sort of matter of fact about it. And he's the reason why we have keep the tail wagging and right. why I feed raw and all of that, because I was just like, no, ah, my dog is not dying at three years old. And now that he's 12, uh, you know, every year that, you know, has gone past, you know, I think once he hit probably like seven every year, I've been like, I should take him down to that for that. <laughs> and they're like, how you like me now? <laughs> but I don't think he would appreciate it. And I don't think I would get this, the satisfaction that I imagined from it. But I kind of wonder if it would be so cool if I took my dog down there and he sat me down and was like, okay, well, what did you do? And right. we could have like a really cool conversation. conversation it never happened. <laughs> I know. It but it's like with Scouts oncologist, I feel like we're getting there because she went from can you not feed raw while we're doing this to do what you're whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Because obviously you know what you're doing. And um and I think that there there's also a balance between, you know, I'm not gonna disregard everything that the vet says. <laughs> I'm just going to there are gonna be certain things where, like for instance, the diet that is just non-negotiable. Right. Um, I just I can't do that. And um, but I do, I will have to say that it's not like she told me to go and put him on kibble. She told me to cook for him. So, you know, progress. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's important to know your non-negotiables <laughs> and to even come prepared in your mind maybe with like excuses you can use or you know like because I have totally pulled the oh well I need to check with my husband yes even though that is not the dynamic of our relationship <laughs> yeah. like, you know what I, mean? I have done that too <laughs> I have done um, that too or even just you know oh you know I'll, I'll look into that or I'll I understand your concern or uh yeah I, I, I've tried to like sometimes I have to like when I was dealing with this vet office that we don't go to anymore, you know, I would sometimes have to like prep myself in advance, you know, with like, what am I going to say when they say X, Y, Z and, mm -hmm. yeah. and, and have to kind of like psych myself up. You know, well, it's like, you know, the body language, mm -hmm. like when you, when it comes to, especially when dealing with um, a new vet, I'm lucky because the only time I have to deal with a new vet is when Scout was diagnosed. And then when if my vet's on vacation and she has a, you know, a visiting vet, but now I've been going to her for so long that I know the visiting vet and there's one, she's so awesome. And I walk into the room and she's like, Oh my God, I remember you. And I'm like, I remember you too. And we've had such great conversations. But what's interesting is that, you know, you get the, well, what are you feeding them? And I'm like, well, I feed a raw diet and, um, and you can feel the pause 
And, you know, it's like, now they're going to start tiptoeing around me to find a way to tell me that this is bad. Right. And they you know, got to be really careful about that. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I know. And I just agree with them. You're absolutely right. This is what I'm doing. And every single time, I mean, and I know, like, knock on wood, I've been very, very fortunate. Every single veterinarian that I've spoken to about feeding raw has, once they, they became comfortable that I'm not just throwing a package of ground beef in the bowl right. and calling it raw, right. then they turn around and start giving me I- ideas and suggestions, asking questions. I um, interviewed Dr. Courtney. He's a veterinarian out of Southern California. He's like a celebrity veterinarian. And our interview turned into him interviewing me about raw feeding because he was hearing about it and he was starting to, other veterinarians were starting to to recommend it. And so he wanted to, his, his clients were asking him about it. So he was just sort of like, you know, asking me questions. And it was so much fun just to talk to these people. And, oh, I lied. There were two veterinarians that were very, that they weren't treating my dog. I was speaking at um, Seattle Pet Expo years ago. And I was on a panel one day and a veterinarian was on the panel and she made quite the scene letting folks know that she refused to be on a panel next to me um, while I'm talking about raw feeding and, and how wrong that was. And I thought it was odd um, and then, you know, later in the next day, there was another panel and her partner came because she refused to come back. And her partner made quite the scene um, about no. it. But what was the th- I didn't get upset about it because I guess I'm so used to it. I'm sorry, Cosmo. I just knocked my cat, scratched me, and pushed him away, and he like fell weird. <laughs> now he's tearing up paper. But anyway, um, I am... I wasn't offended by it, but I was shocked by their opinion because they were wildlife veterinarians. So I thought out of all the veterinarians, they would be on my side with the species appropriate thing, but they were not. And, and I, I don't know what their situation was. And I would have loved to talk to them about it just to find out, like, how did you come to this conclusion? Like, because I feel like some of them is because of their education and what they know, but some of it is just they are treating dogs that have um, nutrient deficiencies because of these homemade diets and, or hearing about other veterinarians and, and doing this. And so they're just sort of like, you guys are not capable of doing this responsibly or accurately. So no. I remember in like the eighties, how <laughs> you would always hear at Halloween that there was like, you know, poison in the candies or nails <laughs> in the candy and then it's like if you go back and try to look through the news it's like I don't think that ever happened it's, it's like <laughs> one of those things that we always heard and I sort of feel like that with veterinarians and like dogs being fed like a yes. wrong raw diet it's like they all know somebody but they've <laughs> never actually seen it but they've like heard these stories <laughs> well that's funny what is it the um because it's like the Berenstein Bears as the Mandela effect where everyone remembers something like, yes. cause I think it's, I, I don't, I know someone's going to listen to this and be like, no, it's this. So I'm sorry if I'm getting it wrong, but it's like, there's the Berenstein bears and then there's the Berenstein bears, but it's That's like, like a, yeah, there's an extra yeah. syllable. And I remember the extra syllable and, um, and a lot of people do. And they're like, no, it's always been like this. And it's like, no, it hasn't. And so everyone's like, it's the Mandela effect. We right. have, you know, a glitch in the matrix, everything changed. And it's one of those things where it's just sort of like, 
are you sure? Or is everyone referring to this one veterinarian that, right, right. that is telling this story at every right. event that he goes to? But um, I know that when I interviewed, and we'll transition to this, when I interviewed Scott for National Raw Feeding Weeks, Scott of Raw Feeding 101, he told me when he went to Gregory Lucas's event several years ago, Dr. Karen Becker spoke about the importance of, you know, hitting those nutritional markers in our dog's diet, specifically the puppies. Yeah. And went on to show videos and images of puppies that had to be put down because like around a year because their nutrition had just been so neglected the first year of their life that they were just too sick. Um, and it's just sort of like, those are the type of things where one, I'm glad that I didn't go because I hate videos and that images kind of like thing, that. Yeah. Um, but two, it's it really changed my mind about balance. I still hold the same opinions, but I understand better, like for instance, the raw fed and nerdy group where they're so passionate about balance. Cause I've seen some of their members say things to people like, if you're not going to do it the right way, then you may as well just feed kibble. Cause at least your dog is getting, you know, a quote unquote balanced diet through kibble. And I always thought that that was such a, a ridiculous statement, but now I understand where they're coming from, or at least I think I do. I still think balance is easy. I, I was talking to someone today who was, um, talking about she was so stressed out and overwhelmed because she's trying to balance her dog's diet. And I'm just sort of like, yeah, it's so easy. It's really not that big of a deal. But of course, you know, I don't know if what I do will necessarily work for every other dog out there, but it works for my dogs. And I have four, I used to have five and they all ate the same diet and they're all great. But um, it's just so completely overwhelming. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I get it. Especially with puppies, it is so important yeah. as they're growing. Yeah. But that's what I mean. But I so, it's sort of like I feel like a lot of people, I mean, I don't know. This is just me making assumptions based on what I see on social media. Whenever I see someone who has a puppy and they're like, I want to start my puppy on raw, they are taking it so freaking seriously. But again, this is what is it called? Like we're in this bubble of raw feeders. Right. So, I'm not talking to people, you know, in, you know, maybe the, like the, a breed specific group or something right. that's not focused on diet, you know, they may be delivering a completely different message and I don't know it. And then of course there's the rotational mono feeding, which is just, <laughs> will make your head explode. So I was at a dog sports event this past weekend, cause I'm going to have uh, somebody interviewed on the Believe in Dog podcast. So I was going to observe their mock trial. And so these are a mix of sporting dogs and working dogs who are all, you know, really, really good condition, you know, body condition, you know, almost like where us family dog owners would be like, is that dog too thin? You know, because yeah. they, they're all, you know, they're working dogs. And and so I just kind of made like an offhand remark to somebody uh, about the I had been at the Healthy Dog Expo and, you know, and, and they were kind of like, oh, I hadn't heard of that. What's that? And I said, oh, you know, they talk about like raw feeding. And and wow, did I have the wrong audience to, <laughs> to mention the term raw feeding. And I was really surprised because I thought that with people so involved with their mm -hmm. dogs that this would be more common. And, and the consensus was kind of like, 
they've been making raw, you know, been making kibble dog food for for years, and they know the science, and they know what's behind it, and you know, and raw is, you know, people don't know what they're doing, and you know, and it's too hard and too complicated, and and I was I was just so shocked because I I thought that for is sure shocking. I've heard that before because you know they're you know they. I think there's like a huge golden retriever group and, you know, some of the same thing where I've heard from people where, or I know I have a, someone that I friends with who she was a member of a lot of Australian shepherd groups. Cause that's her breed. And she just stopped saying anything because every time she mentioned, even if she didn't start it, if someone asked her about it and it was in the group, people would like flip out. And um, and you would think that we were suggesting like, well, if you feed your dog grapes and then give them two pounds of garlic and then, you know, uh, you know I mean, you would think that just like and and this some chocolate, chocolate. chocolate for <laughs> dinner. And, you know, if you did, it, it was, that was the reaction and response and it got really aggressive in one group and she ended up having to just leave the group because it was just too much. And it was just like, I'm, she's telling me this and I'm like, really? Cause again, in this bubble. Yeah. And I mean, even my friends here locally who don't feed raw, um, they understand raw and they're not against it or anything. They just, it's just they, a choice that they made not to do and, you know, whatever. But um, it's, I've never, I've never come up, I should say, I wouldn't say never, but I can't remember the last time I've really come across anyone being anti-raw. My biggest thing is basically everyone has a way that they do it mm-hmm. and they forget that, that's your way, not right. the way. And so that's kind of like the thing where um, I'll get a random comment on a video like, that's not how you feed raw. And it's like, it may not be how you feed you raw, feed but it's raw. definitely how I feed raw and it's working well. <laughs> but, you know, and I get it because it's just, I bet a lot of raw feeding videos get those comments. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> So it is almost National Raw Feeding Week. I know. I'm so happy. I, I, every time, every time this time of year comes, I kick myself in the butt for even coming up with the idea of National Raw Feeding Week because it's so much work. Something always happens, and I should knock on wood because I'm cursing myself. That throws me behind. So I, um, you know, this is, I mean, I'm so silly. I made it the first week of April. I'm an accountant. So this is tax season. I'm super busy. (laughs) I'm sure. Um, It's like insane. I'm stressed out. Um, And I have to work late into the night just to get the videos edited and everything. And I'm, um, oh, I got into a car accident. So that threw me behind. Um, a few days. And so I still have a lot of videos to edit. Um, Like, cause I interviewed Dr. Judy Morgan. That that video is finished. I interviewed Scott. Scott's video is in two parts. There's a serious part and then there's just us talking. And we went on this tangent about zombies and stuff. But as Scott and I usually do, um, you know, Billy Hookman, which I broke his, my initial plan was to make a bunch of 10 minute videos, but I can't remember who I interviewed. It might've been Josie Bug and it might've been Dr. Judy Morgan where their video, it there was no clear cut point where right. I can stop it and then start a new video. So I just was like, I'll just let them be 20 to 30 minutes. But yeah, National Raw Feeding, I can't remember what year I came up with the idea. I just remember I won, I was looking at the pet calendar um, 
to come up with like my content for the year and looking at the pet calendar, I'm filling out my, my um, organizer. And I noticed that there wasn't anything specific for, for raw feeding. And I was like, wow, we should do that. And I looked online on how I Googled, how do you create a holiday? Right. It, like you it, hear on the news, it's national pancakes. Yes. <laughs> right. And I thought I, I, it never, thank God I just got a, uh, some common sense in my brain. But um, I found one site that charged like ten or $15,000 to create a, a holiday. Oh my God. And I'm gathering that you're paying all that money to end up on calendars. I have, But I have honestly no idea because it wasn't like it was some official, I don't know what it was. But I was looking at that like, that's ridiculous. That doesn't make any sense. So, And I was just like, so basically National Black Cat Day Someone paid ten or fifteen thousand dollars to. It's like that didn't make any sense to me. So I reached out to a website that um, I know that maintains an annual pet calendar and just asked, you know, how do I add a holiday? And they just said, just tell us, send us what it is and the dates, and we'll put it in there. And so I did. And then I guess the next step was, okay, when do I want to do it? And I don't. Oh, I think I chose. I know I chose April because April is the month that I transitioned to raw. And every year I used to do a raw feeding from A to Z series on my blog. And so that year I was just going to make it into the National Raw Feeding Week. So at first it was going to be a day, but then I was like, we deserve a week. And then after I did all that, I learned about Rawgust. And I don't know who came up with Rawgust, but the whole month of August is supposed to be about raw feeding. But I just kept up with the National Raw Feeding Week. It was an excuse for me to interview cool people. And Ultimately, I've been interviewing the exact same people every year. <laughs> and so this year, I tried to interview people that, you know, I've never spoken to before and interview non, like, you know, the opposite of the Rodney and the Karen and the, you know, the people who are just random people who are feeding raw. And, and that was fun. And I wanted to interview, like, even people outside of, the, like, maybe like a dog trainers. And, and you know, because I did that one year, I, I interviewed Ronnie Lejeune, a perfectly rawsome. But I, I just didn't have time. And thank God, because I have so many videos still left to edit. And it seemed like, yeah, you expanded your focus to include kind of more health and general stuff this year. Yeah. So that was exciting. Yeah. yeah. Because it's like, I I mean, as passionate as I am about raw feeding, I know for sure that raw feeding, one, isn't the answer to everything and isn't a possibility for a lot of people. And I think that sometimes when when we focus solely on raw feeding, we end up losing people because in their mind, it's like, oh, well, I can't do that because it's too hard. Or I tried it before and my dog had diarrhea. Or And so then they just walk away when there's all these other cool things that they can be doing. And we didn't get a chance to give them that message because we we started out with, are you feeding raw? Right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty excited. Um, I'm, I'm, I need to edit... Rodney's video. I'm going to probably do that on Friday night because it's very long. He talks a lot. He's he talks a lot. <laughs> and he has so much information. Yeah. And it's just how his brain can hold on to all of this information. It's insane. He is such a nutrition nerd. It's not even funny. Um so I use our video our interview time to ask him all the questions 
from like these graphics that he was putting out when he and Karen were promoting the forever dog, because I was like, these graphics are ridiculous. So I asked them about the blueberries. I asked them about the light bulbs <laughs> and, and, and I knew I was like, you know, and he, it was funny cause he's such a good sport, but he was saying like, yeah, people had problems with that one. Yep. People had problems <laughs> with that one. <laughs> and so it was like really fun, um, just getting stuff clarified. Uh, and so I'm really excited about putting that one out. Unfortunately for everyone who is excited about Rodney, Rodney's video is always the last video. And I have rules about Rodney's video. And it's not Rodney's rules. It's Facebook rules. I cannot. The reason why Rodney's video is last is because I cannot put, put another video on my Facebook page because all of the promotion for Rodney's video will stop and it'll switch to the newest video. And so Rodney's video gets the most views. So it always has to be the last one. And so that's, yeah, I've learned that over the years. Just I, ca I can't add any type of links to YouTube in the description because, again, that'll shut down the views. And um, I just have to be very careful about what I put in there and when I do it. And But it's, I think people are going to really like that. And I think it's, it, I don't think it'll be a, I know that it won't be a full video because we were talking for like over two hours. So it'll probably be three smaller videos, but, or maybe break it up by the question. We'll see. So is it one speaker a day? It would have been <laughs> in a perfect world, but I interviewed way too many people. Oh, okay. So that's why um, the, 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 um, the Patreon group is getting all the videos now. So I just feel like if I can just get it off my plate and I can put it over there and then I can just turn around and share it over everywhere else. But I think it'll probably be um, every day will be probably be two videos. Um, yeah, probably two videos every day. And then the last day will be Rodney's video. And so I'm on your Patreon, so I've been watching all the videos as they come out. Um, but it'll be on the rest of them will be on your Facebook page and on YouTube. The, I'm going to continue sharing them to the Patreon group until April 1st, and and even after April 1st, because I'll still be editing. But um, so on April 1st, like the ones that you guys like, what was it? Billy Hookman, mm -hmm. Judy Morgan, like those are the ones that are going to go up first. And so on the first and second, and then I'll be editing through the weekend. And again, after I edit, so it's like, it can be 10 o'clock at night. I'm uploading it to the Patreon group and then I'll schedule it for YouTube and Facebook for whatever the day is. But I wish, what I wish in a perfect world, I would have all of this done in February. That's always my plan is to have everything done in February. And it, it never quite works out. I'm always hitting right at the, but you know, I give it the old college try. <laughs> and, and I just, you know, to me, it's like, I learn so much every single time. And it's so hard. It's probably like you going to the Healthy Dog Expo. It's so hard not to, after I get off the, you know, the Zoom with whomever I'm talking to, not to run out. Like with Judy Morgan, I ran and got her book and I flipped and found the page that she referenced and I, I was highlighting and making notes in it. With Rodney, I went to the store and I got, you know, three pounds of organic blueberries, um, <laughs> some broccoli sprouts that we talked about last week. Yes, I totally have broccoli sprouts <laughs> coming. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's just sort of like, and it's really hard not to, to go and do, I will not buy supplements. I've learned that I don't go out and buy supplements or order supplements, but if it's fresh food, 
or a book and then I'm all over it. And so, yeah, it's, it was really fun. I, and I also um, interviewed Nora Lenz, the creator of the rotational mono feeding. Yes. That's going to be one of the last videos I do as well, because I made the mistake of interviewing her first and then reading her book second. And, and I mean, I don't, I, it's not, yeah, it was a mistake, but um, it is what it is. In a perfect world, I would have read the book, tried rotational monofeeding for a few weeks, then interviewed her. Gotcha. Um, so someone had just, I didn't know what I was getting into when I interviewed her. Someone just said, oh, you should interview this person. And I was just like, all right. And when I was interviewing her, I was just blown, like, wow, this is great. So that's going to be a really hard interview because it's going to be me coming in and clarifying things and answering questions that I should have asked. Like, for instance, you know, because there's a plant day, what about the carbs? You know, like, should our dogs be having all these carbs? And I need to get into the group and ask them some questions and get some clarification on some things that I need to add to that video. So that's going to be a little harder. That'll be this weekend. But yeah, it, it's it's a lot of fun. Do you like the video so far? Oh my gosh, yes. So <laughs> I loved your conversation with Dr. Josie. She's really awesome. I, I think that's like, I, she's been on my radar, but that was the first time I'd ever like heard her like have a conversation with her. And yeah. I was just like, I really loved that. And and Dr. Judy, you know, she's just always amazing. And, and again, like I'm somewhat familiar with like the food energetics thing, mm-hmm. but like I got all excited about it again, listening to you guys talk about Doesn't it. Doesn't it though? Yes. Doesn't it make you excited about it? Cause you start I have thinking book, I'm like, it. I need to get that book out again. Yes. It's like, and I hope she does another one. Cause it's like, I, I mean, and even after that, I'm like messaging her and I'm like, emu, you know, like octopus, you know, just asking her, throwing her proteins to see, because it's like, there are so many amazing, I I mean, I know that people are really interested in the warming and cooling foods, but I feel like the average person isn't applying it correctly. I know that I wasn't because it's not just Just the protein. There's so much more to it. And when she talks about how, you know, I can go deeper. So is it, you know, is it, you know, what is it like a, farm raised chicken or a factory farm chicken? Are you feeding dark wheat or white meat? And she just goes into all of these things. And, you know, I loved that I was able to remember just like random things like bone broth does that. And, you know, and the fact that, you know, if you're doing lamb bone broth, it's already going to be hot. Then you made bone broth. So it's heated. So it's going to be even hotter. And it's like, well, damn it. (laughs) And, and the fact that like, you know, you can't avoid carbs. Like it's, it's not necessary to take away all carbs, you know, instead of looking at certain foods as a car- as a carb alone, but think about all the amazing other things that that food brings to the bowl, right. you know, health wise. And I, she's just so um, matter of fact and just so much fun. I've known her for so long, and um, she's been so beneficial to keep the tail wagging. And the reason why I still have it, she and Dr. Kathy Alanovi and Dr. Karen Becker, but mostly Alanovi and Morgan, because they have, they have just, they were just so amazing. I mean, just taking the time, Dr. Kathy Alanovi would sit on the phone with me for like an hour going over questions about just the most random things and explaining things to me and stuff. And both of them just had the attitude of, you know, we just want you to get it right you know, rather than just guessing or or having part of the story. And when I met them the first time in Seattle, well, in Bellevue, Washington, I I was so fangirling. It was just (laughs) like, I was with them and Billy was there. Um, I had already met Billy once 
and uh, Susan Thixton was there. It was just like, oh my God, so much fun and so amazing. I was trying so hard not to fangirl at the Healthy Dog Expo. (laughs) It is. It's like you, these people, and they're so passionate about what they do and they're so smart about what they do. And they're so like, Susan Thixton is such a badass. I know. You know, and she doesn't, she seems like this like really nice lady that lives down the street that you borrow sugar from and, you know, and would bring you a casserole because you're sick. But she's like a badass and she has some war stories that I actually interviewed her for a prior National Raw Feeding Week. So I'm thinking of dragging those videos out and sharing those again because she is so much fun and, and, you know, I mean, her, you wouldn't think about it, but like the pet industry, people have followed her. They have tapped her phone. Yes. I mean, and this is like some, you know, what, Thursday night NBC show. Right. Kind of thing. right. And it's just, she just wants them to change it from, you know, food to feed. feed. Yeah. <laughs> it was like. At the Healthy Dog Expo, she did share that her daughter got death threats. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she talked about, some stuff that's going down with this former pet food plant in Missouri that she's been tracking. And it literally sounds like the Aaron Brockovich movie. Yeah. And she's like, I can't, I can tell you that there's something going on and one day I'll be able to share it all. You know? Yeah. I mean, and it's been so, cause she takes such heat from people. Cause whenever she breaks a story, people get so angry. And I remember when she broke the story about the no hide, raw hide shoes or yeah. no hide shoes. And people were so angry. And I was reading these comments and I'm like, golly. And then it turned out to be correct. And I actually, another person who was at the Bellevue thing was the family of the dog that died from, because that was another one that she got threats over to. The brand that um, their food had uh, the youth and the youth. Oh, the uh, phenobarbital or whatever. Yeah, phenobarbital. Phenobarbital or whatever Yeah. They were at, they, I met them as well. And cause they spoke at the APCO meeting, but, um, but yeah, I, I remember hearing from people who were like, um, I was in a group where they wouldn't allow you to share any of her articles and you weren't allowed to bring it up because they were like, she's wrong. And even after it got proven, like she had all of the receipts and she showed everything, you know, people grudgingly let us start talking about it. But, um, it was like, really like people doubt her first. And then they grudgingly accept it if they, or they'll do things like, okay, but I'm still giving my dog blank. (laughs) Right. All right. But at least you're doing it with the information. Right. I mean, but yeah, I, I honestly would not have, I mean, it's hard enough being a blogger and by hard enough, it's not hard at all. (laughs) It's, it's mildly annoying at times. I could not handle, I mean, I, I like people to like me. And I like to smile and have fun. I I can't handle um, people just like, ugh, just scary, mean comments. But she handles it. And she's it's like she just lets it go and just goes on. And, and I love the fact that she keeps her focus on the pets rather than on social media. And like when you, you know... And you know her story. I mean, it's like you get that passion for why yeah. she keeps doing what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I totally get it. Like, I'm sure that's always the fire burning in her. Exactly. I mean, because, you know, she lost a dog because of the melamine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she, yeah, she shared that in, in our interview as well. And, 
yeah, she's just amazing. There's just so many amazing people. You know, I feel like um, a lot of these, especially when you think about, I don't know what percentage of veterinarians are men versus women, but I really excited about the fact that there are so many female veterinarians that are leading the charge to holistic and integrative and raw feeding and fresh food and, and such. And it's, yeah, it's like pretty darn amazing. And, you know, people know it's, it's always funny to me when someone who doesn't know who Karen Becker is because, and, but what's even better is I will occasionally get the random email from someone who's like, I see that you like raw feeding. You should really check out Rodney Habib and Karen Becker. And I'm just like, oh, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So first seven days of April, every year, I, every year I, after it's over, I say this is the last year. It never is. <laughs> but this year, I should say also, I'm doing um, daily giveaways. Oh, and so I'm working with Real Dog Box, and um, they are going to be offering nutrition consultations to one winner a day for seven days. So I'm really excited about that. I have to sit down and do the graphics for that. And then several people are offering specials. So um, Scott Marshall is offering a discount on his Raw Feeding 101 course. Um, There are a couple of online businesses that are offering discounts as well. And over the years, I've seen pet stores host like a sale that week. And so that's, oh, that's really cool. kind of cool because it's like, yay. So hopefully we'll see a little bit of that around the country. I was sort of hoping it would turn into this huge thing where everyone was like, oh, it's National Raw Feeding Week. Let me put all the raw stuff off, you know, 25% off this week. But, you know, we'll get there. You'll get there. Maybe steps. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get there. <laughs> I hope so. I'm very excited. I've been watching all the videos as they come out on Patreon, and I will definitely be watching all of the the rest of the videos as they come out. I'm glad. I'm I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. It makes me happy to do it, and because it's just it's so much fun. And there's, I'm lucky. I'm very lucky to have joined this community when I did, and I you know to know the people that I know, and 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 I it's funny. Years ago, someone someone questioned whether I not I actually knew these people. They thought I was just lying about it. <laughs> and, I, and I thought it was funny. And I was going to like say, I can send you text messages. But then I was just like, no, let them. That's okay. You guys don't have to believe me. I'm okay with that. It's silly. <laughs> but it was just, I'm very, very lucky because I can reach out to like Judy Morgan and, you know, Billy Hookman and Rodney Habib and say, hey, I need you to do this. You know, Scott was like, I, I texted him one night and was like, hey, I need to interview you. And he was on my calendar the next morning. And it was just like, yes. And we, he was one of the first, we were both sick. Um, we oh, no. had just gotten over COVID when we did our interview. Oh, so I had to edit out these coughing fits. And stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. It's like the collective brain trust. It's really yeah, it is. It's so much fun. And they're just, you know, it, everyone, I, I think every time I finish a video, I'm always like, this is my favorite one. And so, and it's just like, I love them all because I've learned so much. I, I got such a kick out of talking to Scott. He's been such a good friend of mine for so long and he's just so much fun to talk to. But I probably this year so far, it's Judy Morgan. Yeah. It's the food energetics. It was just like, so just appeal to the nerd in me. I loved it. <laughs> Do you go to acupuncture? I don't. I used to take Sydney to acupuncture, but my acupuncturist moved to Arizona. So that stopped my acupuncture. 
Because I, you know, I when she was talking about like the blood movers and the yin and the yeah. yang foods and uh, dampness and, and that stuff that I talk about with my own, my personal acupuncturist, um, as well as our dogs. And I always laugh because my vet has some of the same posters on her wall mm-hmm. as my acupuncturist. Oh, yeah. and, uh, and my acupuncturist thought that was like sort of funny. And, and he didn't really know that it was used like that so many people, or I don't know that I was using it, but I do all of the things because I got to keep Humpty Dumpty together here after <laughs> all my health issues, you know, but um, so, so uh, yeah, I, I like get all excited when I hear people talking about this, like in the world. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's kind of cool. And I, I mean, actually, after I got off the phone with her, I called, I've been calling to try and make an appointment with the acupuncturist for two years and just have not been able to find one locally. Oh, wow. And so it's been, yeah, ever since I lost my my person, it's really hard to find an acupuncturist. And, and it's hard to get a vet appointment, you know, period. But so I'm still looking. But yeah, it's just, that was what I thought of too, because it was just like, oh my gosh, this is so great. She's so amazing. She's so smart. And she talks about it like so matter of fact. Yeah. Like all of this information is just sitting in her brain and yeah. she just talks about it. And I, and I mean, I'm the same way when it comes to blogging or, you know, some accounting stuff. I mean, it's just what I do, but it's just like, it always just blows me away. Uh, uh, another person that just surprises me is Billy because this is not, it's not like this is what he went to school for. You know, he's not like a certified nutritionist or anything like that. But he loves this stuff so much and yeah. just gets such a kick out of it that, you know, talking to him about things is just hilarious. Did you see? I don't know if you saw it. I posted it because I messaged him before that. The, oh, we did. We talked about this last week where I asked him, what are you going to speak about? And he yeah. said, how oh, not to give bread to my dog. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like... <laughs> He's just so much fun, and 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 I'm glad that he's working um, with Green Juju because now I get to see him yeah. more often. Although I complain every time because I hate driving down into Seattle, so I'm always <laughs> like, "Oh, Seattle sucks so bad," but the food is really good, so I go. <laughs> One day I'll make it to Seattle. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, it's it's an interesting city nowadays. It's yeah, it's not what it used to be, but hopefully it'll come back soon. But I'm in Marysville. Marysville is great. <laughs> I feel that way about Baltimore. Uh, yeah. Baltimore too, yeah. I almost moved to Baltimore years ago. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I just wanted to change. And so I flew out there. I did a job. I even got a job. I did everything. Oh, wow. And then by the time I got home, I, I freaked out. and was just like, no, I can't leave. <laughs> and so I, and I ended up staying here, which, which is fine. <laughs> you do have an awesome dog community in Baltimore. For, for all of its problems, uh, we have an awesome dog community. I love the ha- the homes. Oh, know? with the row homes? Mm-hmm. The- oh, it's okay. just so cool. And, just, uh, I, and I saw some that were, I knew someone that lived there and he would take me to these homes because he was in the real estate industry and, you know, where they remodeled it all inside. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, so like, they're so narrow. But they were so smart about the space. And I was just like in the cobblestone, I don't know if it's cobblestone roads or brick roads, but oh, there's both. Yeah. Yeah. In different and, sections. Yeah. And that's just, you know, here we don't have stuff like that here. So, and uh, there's, and I know, I think I know the part of town you were in, and there's a lot of like the rooftop decks yes. uh, on the houses too. Yeah. yeah. They're so yeah. cool. So I like that. But yeah, I'm here. I'm a Pacific Northwesterner. I'm okay <laughs> with that. <laughs> Well, thanks for chatting with me today. 
Yes. And uh, we'll have links for everybody in the show notes of the things we were talking about. Absolutely. And uh, um, next week will be National Royal Feeding Week. I know. (laughs) I promise I'll be done. (laughs) You have a lot of work to do. (laughs) I know. I have to go now because I have recording time. (laughs) All right. Until next week. Bye, guys. (laughs) 